Well, hey girl, welcome to She's Doing Big Things. I'm your host, Alicia Lee, the original she. Top income producer, freedom advocate, serial entrepreneur, winner of all the things, world traveler, and now digital nomad. I've lived my entire life feeling a little different, dreaming a little bigger, doing a little more, and believing I was destined to have it all. So I can imagine if you're here, you get it. You're a dreamer, a doer, an entrepreneur, so you're ready to set some big goals and smash them. So with that in mind, let's freaking get started. Hello, hello, my darling CEOs, and welcome to another episode of She's Doing Big Things. Woo! We are the podcast for high-achieving women of the world who are ready to do big things, go after their dreams, and make shit happen because you, my dears, are the initiators. You are the forces to be reckoned with, and you are about to or are in the midst of doing some really big things. So I am here today with a guest, and y'all, I have some big hitters coming at you this year on this podcast and some really amazing female manifestors who are truly impacting the world with big ideas, big ventures, and really big businesses. It is my absolute joy and pleasure to get to work with these women and to invite them into my space and airwaves. Oh my gosh, I can't even. Today's guest is a bit of an expert on big shifts, which is one of the biggest steps you can take as a human and as a business owner, right? To pivot from one thing to another often because the first thing, the thing you're leaving is something you trained for or you make good money in or it feels really comfortable. And the shift away from that to the next thing is often none of that. So as we dive into this episode, I want you to evaluate where you are in your life, where you are holding back on a shift, where you're shaming the shifts that you have made, or where you might be thinking, I've done so many things, why will they believe me this time? Because we as humans can also be shift shamers because we value that which is constant and stable because it feels safe. But it takes one simple mindset shift to become a shift uplifter. So let me introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Gina Molinari and she is basically my spirit twin, not gonna lie, except that she can sing and you definitely don't want me to sing. We were introduced by a mutual friend and man, y'all, have you ever just been on a call or in a meeting or wherever you meet someone who just freaking matches you in stride in so many ways right off the bat? If you have, then you get it. And that is me and this little lady that I'm about to talk to. So she is a so-called never has been opera singer turned administrator turned event planner turned social media strategist turned copywriter turned entrepreneur turned communication coach keynote speaker and Ted freaking X coach. Whoa. Like if that wasn't a mouthful, I am so full of it and I'm so highly impressed. <laughs> 
She has worn so many hats and she's judged herself most of the way and I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. In the last 18 months, she's taken her health more seriously than ever and she has lost 70 freaking pounds. And while it's taken time away from her business, she's also never had more impact and momentum than she does right now because of the lessons she's learned along this entire journey of shifting. She is literally an open book. She believes in the power of vulnerability and authenticity and really powerful communication. What you see is definitely what you get with this lady, but it wasn't always that way and she wasn't always the person that I'm about to bring on. She says, and I can't even imagine how this is true, but I believe her, that she used to be an really angry, perfectionistic, morbidly obese, lonely woman with a chip on her shoulder and shame in her heart. She's now, quite frankly, a love bug with purpose, focus, and increasingly hot bod. <laughs> Gonna get an amen to transformation and constant progress, right ladies? Hell yes to the amen. So without further ado, without further anticipation, let's bring her on. Miss Gina, how are you? Oh my God, that is such an intro. Thank you so much. Talk about being a love bug. I'm like tearing up over here. Like, that's me. That's me she's talking about. You're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And I'm like tearing up back at you. I love connection. I love so much about what we're going to talk about today. I'm like on the edge yes. of my seat, but I'm actually standing. So I'm really excited. <laughs> yes, me too. Absolutely. All right, so let's dive into the nitty gritty, shall we? I'm actually, I'm doing like the, you know, the fingers, uh, Austin Powers thing right here. Because you and me, I know it girl, we do not sugarcoat anything around here. So I want to hear the full shift story. The how, the why, the when. And tell me where you got to where you are now. Yeah, so pull up a chair as I tell you a tale. Um, I, you know, you, you went through it a little bit in that intro there, but, you know, I originally envisioned myself, even as a little kid, being a singer. And despite the fact that it was very clear that I always had a severe anxiety around singing in front of other people. I mean, I love to sing, and, you know, if you, you heard me down the hall or something, it wasn't the worst thing, but for somebody to stare at me as I'm up on a stage or something has always given me significant anxiety. And despite knowing that about myself, I thought it was just something I had to push through, something that I just had to kind of like force into submission, right? So I did wind up going to formal voice lessons and getting into a great school for music. But then I go to audition for grad school at the same place that I did my undergrad, and I didn't get in. And it was one of those auditions where, I mean, as an artist, you're never, you, there's no such thing as perfection. You cannot be perfect. But I knew that it was truly the best foot that I could put forward that day, that it was the best audition I could have mustered. And it still wasn't good enough for the place that had trained me. And so that was a huge blow to my ego of like, what have I done? I've spent you know, 10, 15 years, thousands of dollars in voice lessons and piano lessons and the, obviously the college experience itself. 
what did I do? And it was just such an awakening of, I can't believe this whole time I've been ignoring the thing that now is staring me right in the face. This anxiety being truly the thing that is going to prevent me from creating any level of success in this field. And so the first sort of shift that I made after I was done licking my wounds from that experience was going to grad school, actually. I went to grad school at NYU to work in performing arts administration. And so I kind of told myself, okay, well, I'll be around the thing that I love. I'll be in the business of the arts and music. And you know, then I can understand it from a whole other level because as a performer or having been trained as a performer, I kind of have a better understanding of what, what then on the business and performers and singers may need. Um, and so I went down that route where, you know, I sort of fell in love with marketing through my grad school experience, but even that felt lacking. Like I just felt like it didn't really fit in there either because I looked at my, my peers and I looked at the other people that I graduated with and they all had these very specific visions for what they wanted to do with this degree. And I thought, well, I kind of fell into this by accident. You know, I don't, I don't really know what I want to do with this. And when I started to delve into entrepreneurship, what I realized was that, you know, maybe this is something where I get to create my own adventure. Maybe I don't feel like I belong because I'm supposed to create a place where I belong and just kind of create that experience for myself. And so I created a business, my first business five or six years ago as a coach for musicians to learn how to be entrepreneurs. And with that came a lot of study about how to do digital marketing and teaching myself and webinars and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And in that experience, really realizing that that's not what people wanted to pay for. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that was a fun experience, right? Where like, I have all of this knowledge and I really understand both ends of the equation because of my schooling, but nobody wanted to pay for it despite the feedback of like oh this is so important we don't get this in college you know nobody learns this stuff but nobody wanted to pay for it mm -hmm. and i thought well something's very wrong here and so that really started me sort of down the spiral of just realizing that no matter what i tried that nothing seemed to be a good fit for me and it was really disheartening and i remember living in new york city at the time and i was the loneliest person. I would go fetal on the couch, you know, ordering takeout for every meal and living off of credit cards, being so supremely unhappy and lonely and not knowing what the hell to do next. Because even the things I was doing to try and pay the bills just wasn't cutting it. I mean, it wasn't in any way something that I was excited about pursuing. It it wasn't something that was paying the bills enough. Like it wasn't serving any of the needs that I had. So it was at that point in time that I discovered leadership training, which had a lot of emotional intelligence, knowledge and education wrapped up in it. And once I went there, then I sort of dove into this world of personal development and professional development. And I started to take responsibility for my emotions running the show and basically letting my feelings be what decided my next step. And once I did that, then the pivots came quicker, actually, right? So from there, instead of it taking a couple of years to get to another space, then I went into social media strategy. And I kind of hated that after about a month. So, okay, let's start kind of going a different direction. Let's do blog writing and ghostwriting. Uh, no, I kind of don't want that either. And it was just thing after thing after thing. And ultimately what I realized through more of this emotional intelligence training, you know, three, four years down the line was that in hindsight, looking at all of these things that I'd done, because I had such shame about it. You know, I was very fortunate to have parents that actually supported my dream of being a singer. Many people who go into the arts do not have that support. They're like, oh yeah, well, what's your, what's your real job going to be? Why don't you get a, a double major just to make sure that you have a safety net, right? 
but I didn't have that. I had parents who truly supported me in going down this route. It was me who was really scared and, and kind of looking for the back door and the plan B. And being able to then go through all of this work and looking at my you know limiting beliefs and all of this mindset growth that I'd gone through, when I looked back at all of the things I had tried, I finally saw the common thread and what I had been shooting myself in the foot and being really mad at myself at for years of abandoning music and then abandoning my grad school ideas and then abandoning social media strategy and then abandoning this and that and the other thing. It was all around language. It was all around message and connection and really creating an experience and an emotion with a particular message. I mean, that's what marketing is. Marketing is moving people to make a decision. And the way I choose to do it is in a way that's you know loving and empowering and, and something that's for growth. But you can use that for manipulation, but that's not what it was for me. And singing and classical music is often not in English. So if I can't sing in English and express something in a way somebody can understand, I need to find other ways to do that. And how am I doing that? I'm doing it with my body. I'm doing it with the timbre of my voice and the way I lean on certain words. I mean, that all tied so close. It was like this light bulb went off all of a sudden. And all of that guilt and shame just went away because I finally saw everything that I had been through for what it was. It was a tool in my tool belt to establish credibility and authority in a way that only I can bring that experience to somebody who I am now coaching. So now I'm in this space of communication and messaging coaching, and there's some public speaking coaching thrown in there. You know, you mentioned TEDx coaching. I'm able to give people the tools of marketing, of emotional intelligence, of performance, and to be able to make it something that's clear, that's confident, that's engaging, that's consistent, and something that's really, truly powerful and feels good. And I never would have gotten to this place had I not been through what at the time I was calling so many failures. Oh my gosh. It's a long woman. Story, but <laughs> but your energy. Oh, I love it so much. So tell me this, because I think this is always interesting to find, you know, that starting point of where things came from. So where, at what point do you think the shame shift actually began? Like, when did you first recognize it? I would say the first time I recognized it was that leadership training, which at this point is now almost four years ago to the day. Um, and the, the point, I mean, it was the first time that I finally understood that my thoughts and my feelings aren't reality. Mm. Like I didn't understand that because I was feeling angry, because I was feeling upset or depressed or frustrated or whatever negative emotion, that it didn't have to be that way. I didn't understand this whole idea of interpreting it. So once those leadership trainings showed me that, and it kind of opened up my eyes to personal responsibility and, and that level of growth, all of a sudden it became possible to have hope for something else. It's because I mean, I was at a point where even socially, if you asked me to hang out tomorrow evening, I would be hesitant to say yes, because in my head I would think, well, am I going to be in a place to actually want to go tomorrow evening? Or am I going to want to go fetal on the couch again? I don't trust that I'm not going to go to that place by then. So I can't give you an answer because I don't trust that I'm not going to go to the dark place before that happens. So being able to kind of take that power back, that was my first opportunity. And over time, practicing it has gotten easier to do it. But that was my first true awakening. Mm, yeah. So where do you think the shame actually first began? Because I don't think that we always have it. I think that we create it somewhere along the way, right? So where did that begin? Mine snowballed over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, my shame was actually 
even through all of my undergrad. And that's not something that many people realized because I was obviously in the thick of it, right? Like here I am at a conservatory like school singing on the stage of Lincoln Center with the New York Philharmonic. And I have shame about knowing kind of in the back of my head that this is not something that's sustainable for me, that this is not something that I can actually truly make a living at. And it was because again, I knew that there was such anxiety in being on stage like that and that left to my own devices that had it not been a part of my curriculum to sing on that stage in those in those sort of experiences that I wouldn't do it for myself. I remember high school, the only time I auditioned for a musical or a show or whatever, I signed up and then I never showed. And I, I never told anybody that I signed up. I never told anybody that I never showed, but nobody followed up with me afterward either to be like, hey, we saw you signed up and you never came and is everything okay? Do you wanna come back another day? None of that. And so there was a lot of little experiences like that that accumulated over the years of like, you know, you should be doing this. You should be auditioning more. You should be excited about this. You should know more about composers. You should know more about this music. And I didn't. And there was just this constant comparison of me to my, my fellow classmates and my peers and, and, and just hearing them all talk about it in ways that I didn't understand. And so there, it was me creating this wall of me feeling different, feeling like an outcast that I put myself in this shame cage, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you bring up two really key elements here. And it's so funny how often I ask a question with the hopes of leading somebody into the answer that I believe is right or true or most authentic. And it's so amazing how many times it actually comes to fruition because the thing that I think that shame comes from so compounding in us is the should. We should have this. We should be that. We should do this. We should know that. We, And it's our own inner voice, but it's also an external voice that's often placed upon us from society and from our trainings and from parents and family and friends and teachers and all of the things that we go through that keep telling us that we should, right? And so then we're in a lack of alignment based upon that not even being an authentic alignment because what is should? And then also our own lack of alignment in who we truly are and the gnawing sense of um, our truth and the fact that we aren't listening to it or facing it. And I think that there are so many women who can look back on their life and say, I knew better. I felt it. And then they never did anything about it until the last straw or the, the straw that broke the camel's back or... You know, the moment that their husband hit them or the moment that they were broke or the moment that they had to leave or else. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting how thematic this is just across the board. It doesn't matter how big you're going, how safe you're playing it, no matter what you're doing, so many people are playing in shoulds and lack of alignment. Absolutely. Well, and here's the funny thing, right? And this is something I see in my entrepreneurial journey too, is like, where's the line between me just needing to break through something and break through fear versus this is not the route that I'm meant to go down. Mm. Because you, know, you have those hard days in entrepreneurship where you're like, I'm killing it. I'm awesome. And then the days where you're like, oh God, why did I do this? So, I mean, the, the musician journey for me was very similar where there was the part of me that assumed because this is the route I chose, this is the only path to go down. Like I, I never dreamed of being a classical singer. It's just when I went into lessons, 
that's what my voice had an affinity for. It's what I was trained for. And I realized I was good at. So in my head, because it wasn't my original dream, I didn't know there were like other versions to kind of deviate off the, the beaten path, so to speak. Right. So for me, like the things I love singing for have nothing to do with being on a stage and wearing a wig and a corset and all that. I love singing for funerals where I'm in the balcony and it is not even remotely about me, but it is a powerful classic experience. Mm. But I didn't realize that that was something I could kind of go down that, that road with because that's not like, there was just so many assumptions with it. Right. So there was the part of me that was fighting it because I thought it was weakness. I thought it was a weakness I had to break through and it wasn't necessarily like you're saying the alignment piece of it. Of, oh, it's just not what I, what I want to be doing, what I, what I could be doing or where I want to go. But it was that argument with myself of, is this truly like just not a good fit for me? I didn't, I didn't even think that at the time. I thought this was a me problem. Like I thought this was my fault essentially. Yes. Oh my goodness. You And the funny thing about this is it is so often that you ride the roller coaster and you take the journey and you follow the path and then you find out that there are other deviations off. There is an off ramp that you could have taken and there will be another one, right? But I just think somewhere along the way, we have been taught that there is no difference between a body-based fear and a misalignment in our soul. There's very few people I think that really feel the difference innately and are not taught it. And so I think that's just a really key element to if it keeps gnawing at you, if you just don't, if it doesn't feel right, it's okay to stop. It's okay to shift. It's okay to pivot. Like nothing is going to happen except you're going to know whether or not it was right for you by changing. Yeah. And I, it's funny because before I moved to New York, before any of this like leadership training stuff happened, I was offered what at the time was my dream job of working in a marketing position. I would have been the director of a marketing uh, department for a nonprofit where I would be running these great events and like doing all these things. And I mean, it was one of those interviews where like you go in there and you're so overly prepared because you know, you want it so badly and you know, it's going to set you apart. And I, I had accepted the position and after a week, it was just like gnawing at me that something didn't feel right and something was off. And I was like, this makes no sense to me. Like, what is wrong with this? And at some point, I, you know, I just kind of made the decision and I sat there and I was like, okay, I'm going to imagine this for a second. What would happen if I turned this down? Like, I didn't start the position yet. You know, I said I was going to start after the holiday, whatever it was. What if I walked away from this instead of actually going? And even just imagining it, there was such a sense of relief. Mm. And I was like, that's my answer. And I was like, I have no idea why I would do this to myself when this is literally what my master's degree is for, mm -hmm. is to go into a position like this. But this is what I know in my soul I have to do. And I never even told my parents I accepted the position because I knew they would have been so pissed that I rejected it after one fact because I was in just such a weird place, you know, in terms of stability. But I did. I, I went back to them and I said, you know what? I know I've accepted this offer, but I'm sorry. I actually do have to turn it down. And it was because I turned it down that I was able to go to this training for the emotional intelligence that then I moved to Columbus, Ohio, that then I got these other opportunities for this position, that then I met the love of my life here, that like all of these snowball things, right? So had I accepted that position, that thing that at the time was the dream, was mm -hmm. the dream job, I would never have gotten all of the things that I have now. I never would have gone into this other world because it truly is. It's another world moving from New York City to 
Columbus, Ohio, kind of a backwards move. But for me, that's what I needed to give myself a sense of stability and growth in a whole different way than I even realized that was possible. Oh my gosh. I never even thought of it like that, but I love the scenario that you just played out. Like if you're feeling a total illness in where you are and it just doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel aligned, it doesn't feel good, there's that gut-wrenching, gut-gnawing feeling, and you're thinking, I don't know what this is. Imagine the alternate scenario and see how that feels, see how that plays out. And literally follow that intuitive nature if that feels better. I think that's so smart. It, it was such a, every time that I've had an opportunity like that since now, I check in with my intuition. Cause not only is it good for obviously the steps that are to come, but it actually makes me better at my coaching too, because I get these like sort of instincts and pains of just, you know, reading between the lines of what somebody's saying. And it's like a hundred percent right. A hundred percent of the time. And it's not something they've explicitly said or anything, but it's because I'm tuned into that intuition now of like, no, this is not the right way to go. This is not the right direction for you. And the more I listen to that, the stronger and louder it gets so that I can be better and that I can do better and that I can, you know, hear better, all of those things. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. So (laughs) we'll go on into this then. Do you see any shifts in your near future, right? And if you you do, do you think that there would be an – an emotion attached to the future one, meaning do you still feel this shame or guilt or what do you feel about it if you are shifting into anything? Yeah, so it's interesting because I knew there was a shift coming this year for me and then all this coronavirus stuff started happening, which had me reevaluated again, actually, because it did kind of interfere with the plans I made in my head. You know, I was going to pursue keynote speaking a lot more hard, but it's hard to do that when a lot of live events are being canceled and and all of that. So it's like, okay, I got to reevaluate again kind of what that looks like. And the thing is that with all of the work I've done now, like the inner work that I've done, I have such faith in myself. I have such confidence in myself that there's no longer this sense of like shame or, or aggravation or any of that about what could possibly happen because I know deep in my bones that it's always just a lesson. And it's, it's hokey as hell if it's something you don't quite understand yet. But now that I've experienced it, truly experienced it, I know that no matter what happens, it'll all be okay. And that I truly am capable of anything I set my mind to. And that was something that even just a year ago was kind of this hokey idea of like, oh yeah, well, I can do everything I want except lose weight. I can do anything I want except get out of this day job. Like all of those sorts of little conversations we have, right? Is like, I have all this confidence here, but not so much over here. I don't believe that anymore. After, after the work I've done, And I've, you know, you read it in your little intro there, like I've lost 70 pounds in the last year and my weight has been a lifelong struggle. And I've stepped into this place of being able to confidently charge what I charge for my services in certain things because I'm not afraid to say that this is what I'm worth anymore. And just all of these other sort of areas of my life, I'm in the best relationship of my life because I've set boundaries for myself of what I deserve to have and who I deserve to have and be with and share my time with. I truly no longer see that anything is out of my reach I just have to decide and it's one thing if I've decided and not truly committed to it that it's not happening but it's a whole other thing to not believe in yourself and therefore not try so I'm, I'm no longer in that place that now shifting is an exciting idea to me shifting is is inevitable and it's something that 
I, you know, I know is, is going to happen and I'm just excited to see how that happens in a way that actually is in my favor because it's always in my favor. It just may not seem like that in the moment when, you know, it hurts or it's painful or it's scary. Yes. Oh, that is beautiful. I love it. So poignant. Definitely the speaker in you comes out. You are such a great speaker. Um, All right. So let's talk to, I want some quick takeaways for the women out there. So let's talk first to the women in my audience who they're looking at the possibility of a shift and they're having anxiety about it, worry about it. And they're wondering what other people think and hell, they're judging themselves for it. What do you say to her? I mean, it depends what it is, but do it. Because you don't know how you feel about it or how you would feel about regretting it or whatever else if you don't do it. There's no amount of thinking about it that, and I mean, my, my you know, story about accepting that position or whatever is kind of a, a you know, different example of that. But I mean, I'm trying to think of an example. Like if you have somebody who's like, oh, you know, should I start this business? Like if they're in that position of like, should I do this? How do you know it's not something you would love and enjoy and excel at if you don't start it? You can't just think about it and expect yourself to like magically come to some conclusion because you don't have enough data to do anything with that information in your head. You're just like making shit up in your head. So instead of thinking about what it could be, execute and see what it is. And the reason that I I was able to kind of find the place that I'm at is because I kept trying different things and failed enough times to find the thing that I really loved and now can stick with. So you just have to start something. You just have to do something. And it doesn't have to be this grandiose gesture thing, but it does have to be something. Yes. All right. Let's talk to the woman then who is mid-shift. The women in my audience out there who are in the middle of it, they're embarrassed as hell of all of the places they've been, all the shifts they've made, and they're internally shaming themselves and literally stunting the possibility of success in the near future. So what would you say to them, to her? I'd say two things. Number one, and this is my favorite words from Lewis Howes, don't be perfect, be patient. Don't be perfect, be patient, because it always takes you far longer than you think it's going to take. And the number two thing is to take a look at everything you've been through, everything you've done, all the experiences you've had. And I'm talking all the way, go back to your babysitting days, like all of those little things that you loved and tried and experimented with. Look at all of the tools you have in your tool belt. What tools are you not using that could help you get where you want to go? Because maybe that's the thing that's making it take a little longer is because you're ignoring that thing as a superpower and ignoring that thing as something that could help you because you think it's negligible. That thing is probably far by far the thing that's going to set you apart, but you have to take stock of it. Like literally sit down and write it out. Oh my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. So many yeses. This, this episode, I feel like it's gold. I need to, you know, wrap it up and put a bow around it and deliver it to so many people I know. So Let's talk to all of the women out there who are like, I need some more of this Gina energy in my life. What she's drinking, I want some of that. So where can they find you? Where do you hang out the most online? Yeah, ginamolinary.com is always a good place to find me. Uh, I hang out the most on Facebook. I love doing Facebook Lives and, you know, printing tips and tricks and all that sort of stuff regularly. So that is the Gina Mo. So it's facebook.com slash the Gina Mo. Uh, I'm on Instagram, not as not as consistently, but I am on Instagram at the Gina Mo as well. And then LinkedIn also, the Gina Mo. Make it nice and easy for you to find me everywhere. Perfect. And you know, ladies out there, that I will drop all of her information down into the show notes. So it's 
really easy, really clickable. You can connect immediately because I want to see my CEOs out doing big things in the world with my podcast guests who are also obviously CEOs. So as we wrap this up, tell us what you're currently offering for the woman who's like, oh my gosh, me, 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 right now, I need some of that. <laughs> well, right now, because of everything going on, I'm trying to make everything that I do as accessible and as quick as possible for, for people to, you know, if they're redoing their websites, if they're kind of retaking stock of their business model and all of that, there's so much time for people to learn and like just reevaluate right now. So there's two popular things that I'm offering right now, depending on kind of where you're headed. There's an online messaging audit for somebody who's afraid that like their writing and their copy on their website and social media isn't consistent. So, I, you know, a social media audit, you can find it on my website there. It's like 37 bucks right now with, with the COVID stuff going on. So easy, really easy for you to take advantage of that. And then I'm also doing 90-minute strategy sessions for pretty much anything else you need. If you want to learn how to position yourself as a speaker, if you want to figure out how to better get your brand out there and create a strategic plan for yourself to be a, the face of your business, the confident face of your business, we can sit down for 90 minutes and chat about that. And those are only $79 right now. Normally, they're $497. So really taking advantage of, I want to be in service as much as possible. I have a few workshops I'm putting up on my website here in a minute. Um, that I really just want to give people as many resources as possible to learn because it's it's possible to teach yourself, but you've got to start taking action with that too. And sometimes you need a coach to kind of navigate you through that. Yes, I am obviously and clearly a coaching advocate. I have spent a lot of money on it. I have transformed as a human because of it. I have a big business because of it. I think it's a grand idea. <laughs> so I love that as well. I will drop all of that below so that everything is really easy for you to find. So lady, as someone who has done a lot in my life, you've heard my intro if you're listening and that's not even the half of it. I have always felt a little different for aspiring for more and more, for setting goals, for smashing them, for shifting to the next thing until it no longer felt aligned and then shifting again. I realized long ago that I was not the norm and neither is Gina. I realized long ago that I wasn't cut out for a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and a 9 to 5 with a 401k. Not me, honey. Number one, because I know that's not secure and security isn't a reason to settle. And number two, because for me personally, that would be settling into a life that wasn't meant for me. I believe that's meant for who it's meant for. And for a really long time, I thought that was weird and bad. And I thought I was different and unlovable and that I drove people away with my own ambition. It was literally a very shameful thing to, to me to keep going, to want more, and to talk about my successes and all of the achievements and accolades, but even more so, I felt like I was showing an instability to discuss the pivots and the shifts. And it wasn't until I got a coach, like Gina said, and she said to me, Alicia, you get to own what you have done as the uniqueness that made you who you are. And there was a level of acceptance in that statement that I grew into and that led me into, my, into naming my podcast, She's Doing Big Things, and to open up with that bold intro that you've heard today or that you hear every time you open this podcast up. So if you're feeling this, if you're vibing with what we have talked about today, it is time to book a call. You are 
absolutely 100% go book a call with Gina if you want the offers that she's talking about. If you want to strategically move your business and systematize and streamline your processes so you can stop living in your business and work on your business and have a business that doesn't own you, then book one with me and we can pivot powerfully and shift shamelessly into your next big thing. So grab whatever free call suits your fancy below and let's do big things in this world. So with that, my CEOs, it is time to wrap it up for another week. Let's go out into that big bad world, as long as you're quarantined, that is. Trust yourself more, follow your intuition, follow your human design, and thus make bank, live in alignment, and live so much freaking freer. Until next time, love you long time. What is up, my darlings and doers? If you loved this podcast, please don't leave it behind. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and do us a huge favor. Give us a quick rating. It not only helps me to know where you're listening, but it also helps the new listener to find this podcast and become the next doing success story. So with that, I'm off to do some big things or help one of my amazing clients get her doing list done. Have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.